0: In this episode, we talk driving the new IS500 and Michael's experience driving the fifth generation LS. This week on the Lexus Enthusiast podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Kevin Watts. I'm the I'm the owner of Lexus Enthusiast, and joining me is Michael Panone, executive editor. How are you doing?
1: Hey, Kevin. I'm holding it together. How about you? Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's been a while since we recorded, but not without good reason. Uh, we've uh, we've had a, a series yeah. of events happen over the last three weeks, and uh, well, I think it's best to just kind of turn it over to you and. <laughs> You can kind of touch on the yeah. events that have shaped your September and October.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun in some parts. It's been a lot of stress in other parts. Like you mentioned, a lot has happened since we were on last. Like, I think the IS500 embargo came out. The first round of NX media drives happened, even though the embargo is not for another couple of days. I drove an LS500 to the beach and back, uh, and that's <laughs> just the Lexus stuff. So then, yeah. My day job, our company went through a full rebrand uh, and I manage all of our like advertising and digital properties. So that was a lot of my time. And then yeah. just another little thing, I decided to put a contract on a new house and get my house ready uh, to go up for sale. So um, it hasn't left a whole lot of time for other stuff. So it's been a little busy.
0: I've been following here from Canada and just wondering how you're managing all that stress. uh. But, such is life, sometimes it uh, it comes a little bit faster than you expect. Yep. Yeah, We so we did the uh, IS500 review about three weeks ago. Uh, we did our first video, and uh, I thought that really turned out well. And you were the one that uh, Lexus dropped the IS off to drive, and... Well, just kind of give us a a little bit more of a a look into into your thoughts on the car.
1: Yeah, there was one thing I didn't put in my review that's uh, funny to be able to cover here. And I, I don't even know if I told you this, Kevin, but um, I've told you guys a little bit about what this like Lexus has a great service where they come to your house, they drop the car off, they text you in advance and tell you like, hey, you know, we'll be there between this time and that time. So anyway, I knew that they were dropping the car off that day, but we hadn't exactly firmed up the time and I was sitting here in my office, which is actually where I'm at right now. And it was quiet. I wasn't in meetings or anything. And I was sitting at my desk and, I, you know, it's it's hard to explain, but I was sitting here and I just heard like, mm. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I think the IS 500 might be here. <laughs> and uh, I was right. And I, and I walked out and it's just it was just like that that low, but like burly, like V.A. Yeah. rumble in my driveway. And I and I walked out and I was like, oh, yeah, I heard it. I heard it from inside. And uh, I immediately took it out. And I think those of you who follow us on Instagram, I did a quick Instagram live showing everyone the car. And then we had about or I had about three days to drive it. Uh, and I drove it around the city primarily where I live. And then I also the last day I took it up to the North Georgia mountains and drove it a bit there just to get a feel for the car. So I had a really good time. I it, probably not surprising, but of all of the press cars been able to drive so far, this one was definitely the hardest one to give back. I mean, straight up, it really was was like yeah, yeah, i texted absolutely. pr at one point and i was like hey what would the repercussions be if i didn't return this car
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did they respond with
1: uh he <laughs> it, he wrote back and he said trust me some people have tried don't recommend it <laughs> so
0: whoops oh my gosh that's funny i have to say yeah uh, you know you're talking about the exhaust note of the is500 and You know, Mm -hmm. obviously very close, I imagine, to the ISF. What, What were the similarities between those two cars, really?
1: One of the things, and I think this was kind of stated in my review, but when you hear about that, the fact that there's going to be a V8 in an IS, I think that your mind kind of naturally gravitates to horsepower. Like the first thing you think is like, oh my God, V8, you know, almost 500 horsepower. Like it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a monster. Yeah. The craziest thing to me about the IS 500 was, you know, after you get over the fact that it has a V8 and you're able to drive the car like a normal person. It is so incredibly balanced. And that was one of the things I remember that they really refined on the ISF over the time that that generation. Yeah, was on over sale. the time for sure. Yeah. yeah. I remember at first, you know, it was as fast or a little bit faster than the M3, but like there were a lot of criticisms of the suspension being harsh and things like that. And just like Lexus always does, as the years roll on, they make the incremental improvements every model year. And by the end of it, the ISF was really a wonderful car, which is why so many people love it and they're so collectible now. And I think Mm -hmm. that was something that came back to me driving and living with the IS 500. Again, you know, you're like, oh yeah, it has a V8, it's crazy. But then like above and beyond that, I really think that v8 is actually the best engine in the is and it's not just because i'm a v8 guy it's because it's really smooth it's really effortless it's really comfortable and then of course like when you get on it and you want to drive the car harder it just eats it up and responds so they're a lot alike in that way
0: i really like the v8 engine it's like such an experience and it really does make Mm -hmm. it special to drive and i drove the isf in its first year that it came out and then i also drove it uh the last year that it came out and i would never be able to describe the differences but you know you do hit on something in that when i first drove it it felt a little wild it felt a little like Mm -hmm. uh raw later on you know as i said you know driving it in its final model year it still had that character but it definitely felt a little bit more dialed in a little bit more solid on the road And uh, Mm -hmm. I can see how they would have just piggybacked the IS 500 off of those, you know, improvements. And I do believe really that the chassis between the second and third generation IS are fairly similar.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And you've heard me make this point and you and I talked about it, but the best overall car that I've ever driven in terms of balance and agility and poise and all those things is the GSF. Mm -hmm. It was interesting because before people started driving the IS 500, a lot of the comparisons were to the original ISF and the RCF. And it honestly took me like 10 minutes being behind the wheel of the car where I was like, oh, this is the GSF's like little brother. Yeah. And, you know, no surprise because I absolutely loved driving the GSF and I love the IS 500. So, yeah, it was a blast. And I think the other cool thing is, uh, a couple of people figured out what it was. Like, I had a guy, oh, that's cool. I think I mentioned this on the last yeah. podcast, but the Alfa Romeo, like yeah. he, the Julia gave me the thumbs up. I had a guy in a C43 give me a thumbs up. Um, and then when I brought the car up to the mountains, I pulled over. Um, to take a couple of pictures. And this guy pulled in and was like, Oh my God, is that the IS 500? And oh my like, gosh. Yeah, that's awesome. So <laughs> um, I
0: wonder how long he was following you for.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I didn't notice, Yeah, but yeah, it's just uh it was a great car. I, I really, really enjoy it. And you know, I, I get the enthusiast hype around it. I get people being excited about it. You know, the excitement of like one last V8 Lexus. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the car's just, it's so much, it's a lot more than that. And it's really a well-balanced, really fun car. And I I think I put this in my review but like it's kind of the perfect end to the first yeah. chapter of Lexus performance cars with V8s.
0: I think that one of the things that's been lost over the years, you know, since the debut of the ISF is sort of that fun factor within mm-hmm. within the Lexus performance range. And I remember just oh my god, like the first time it was the first time I'd ever been in a car where someone wanted to race me <laughs> like <laughs> on the road. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're on the highway and you're just cruising. I mean, I just drive like a normal person and get the guy pulled right up beside me and was like revving his engine and dropping behind me. And I was like, no, buddy, like this isn't happening. Like, <laughs> yeah, this isn't my vibe. But it was the first time ever that that had ever happened. Uh, it did happen again in the, in the LC 500, but, and the, actually the LFA did happen as well. But I think mm-hmm. that was like a Volkswagen, <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah. You actually also you hit on a good point which was t- you just talking about like something new and exciting for the IS lineup. That's That's a really important point, I think, because, you know, we've had really the same three and a half liter V6 really since like 2006. And then, you know, there used to be the 2.5 liter V6, then they replaced it with the four cylinder, which, you know, the four cylinder has been fine. But the IS500 is the first time in a long time that there's really been like something substantially new and exciting to talk about with the IS lineup. Right, And in terms of halo effect and marketing impact, that's really great for Lexus to have that, like being able to talk about a naturally aspirated V8 right now when everything's downsizing and turbos. And, you know, it's, you know, I've thought about it a lot lately in other terms, thinking about what are all the IS and GS buyers going to do in this crossover world? Because it's like Lexus isn't really building performance crossovers. So I've been thinking about like, this is that like another chapter of the IS that made people love it.
0: Oh yeah. And you got to figure, you know, demographics or whatnot, you know, having something fun, just having that, as you said, you know, having it, the halo vehicle means that people are going to be more inclined to want to buy the IS, you know, the standard IS, and it's really good for the brand for that to be happening. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the excitement around this car is really surprising. And it makes me really wonder about some pent up demand for something like this.
1: I agree with you 100%. I know that the launch editions are all sold out mm-hmm. and then from what I've heard I think a lot of like the entire first year of production might be pretty much sold out as well. So, I'm happy for Lexus. The car deserves that. It's it's really as good as it's as good as the hype if not better when you really live with it every day.
0: So when you were up in the mountains, is that when you recorded your video?
1: Yes, I was kind of coming down out of the mountains. Yes, yeah.
0: so I, uh, we, we did our first collaborative video for the IS-500. Michael uh, r- recorded it. <laughs> and uh, I edited it and that was a lot of fun. I, th- I thought it really turned out really well and people seem to really like it.
1: Kevin leaves out the fact that I'm not very technical and I don't know a lot about <laughs> AV equipment. So uh, I was texting Kevin nonstop, like, do I need this mount? Do I need this mic? Should we get this camera? So, you know, really the major thanks goes to Kevin for making it all happen and setting it up. Oh, <laughs> um, you were the talent. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm not big on like hearing my own voice. So like even sometimes on the podcast, I guess I've gotten used to it on the podcast. Yeah. Sometimes hearing my own voice is like, uh, whatever, yeah. but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, like I took a couple takes and, you know, we kind of mashed them together and got what we got out of it. My review of it does like so much of, youtube and everything these days is like clickbait headlines and like is it as good as the blank like is it really all new and i think our audience and the people who watch those videos and listen to this podcast want to know from a lexus owner perspective and a lexus enthusiast perspective what's this car like to live with and drive and i just tried to capture that and kind of a short take and be honest with you guys so um if you haven't had a chance to check it out do so
0: yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and then we also, you know, did you did a written review, and yeah, it was great. Uh, we were really able to to kind of capture the the excitement around this model and. I mean, you you had a very unusual experience with them dropping this car off. Usually what uh, Lexus will do is bring all of the journalists to a single Mm -hmm. place and just have a fleet of these cars. And instead of that, this time, Lexus actually just went around and and dropped it off to uh, a group of. Journalists, So yeah, just a really, you really got a chance to live with it.
1: I did. And you, you and I make this point and we talk about it a lot, but sometimes Lexus cars, you really have like to live with them is to love them. And I think the IS 500 is a unique circumstance where, you know, even from a specs perspective, the car is really important and impressive. But when you live with it every day, you actually love it even more.
0: So another thing that just happened with the IS-500 is Canada just released their pricing actually just starts at uh, 72.9 uh, in Canada, which puts it very competitively with, um, in terms of conversion rate with the US dollar, it's pretty dead on. One of the cool things though that happened uh, is that Canada also got 50 of the 500 launch editions that were coming to oh, nice. North America. And that one was uh i think seventy seven six We weren't able to talk about it the last time we were uh recording, but man, just in terms of what you're getting for that is, that is astounding,
1: yep, and just a little teaser for you guys um. Actually, on an upcoming episode, we are going to have Rich Hollingworth with us, who is the product marketing manager for Lexus North America, I guess actually Lexus USA, sorry, for the IS500. So we have some questions for him, uh, you know, about the behind the scenes development of the car and, you know, the go-to-market strategy and the competition and things like that. So you have not heard the last of the IS500 from us.
0: Oh, I, th- I think that the, the internal discussion around that model must have been really interesting. I mean, Agreed. really, really interesting because it is a North American specific model. doesn't generally happen very often anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really does reflect uh, a North American sort of mindset, the kind of vehicle that it is. So... Just finding out just even minor details about how that all shook out would be, it's going to be really interesting. Agreed. And then you also were driving the LS 500 last month.
1: Yes, I did. Um Lexus gave us an LS 500 to drive to the beach uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> Not just the beach. It was a vacation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It
1: was a a vacation. Yeah, we were gone. We were gone for about a week and we drove an LS 500 with the luxury package. So the MSRP on that car was about $105,000, I think. So it rings in, unless you want to consider that the IS 500 was pretty much a prototype, which I'm sure was a lot more expensive. That makes the LS the most expensive press car I've driven so far.
0: So how old did you feel while you were driving it? Well, I was
1: in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) so um i felt quite young
0: yeah well i suppose <laughs> but i will
1: right. say there, there were a couple times like you know going in and out of like seafood places and gas stations where people like look at the car and look at me and i'm 34 and they're like mm,
0: okay yeah somebody's got to buy them
1: yeah. right <laughs>
0: right. So it is a lot of fun to take a trip with a press car. Like that is really an experience.
1: It really was. And I think that was, I actually mentioned this to Lexus on the front end. I think that was the perfect environment. It was about 300 miles there and 300 miles back. And it's a lot of highway driving on the way down there. I don't know what it was. We use Waze, of course. And it brought us off that we were only on the highway for about an hour. And the rest of it was kind of like some of these back roads through mm-hmm. Alabama and then into Florida. And and then on the way back, we did drive mostly on the highway. So, you know, in that environment, the LS is in its element and it's comfortable. And we didn't realize until like halfway down that if you go through the menus in the car to the seat, there's an option called like driver seat refresh passenger seat refresh.
0: Yeah. And oh, I don't yeah.
1: I don't know why it's called refresh because it's massage.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: so, once we figured that out, I mean, we were massaged the whole way down and the whole way back, which yeah. is pretty hard to disagree with.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically barely like you're moving.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so the car was um it had white exterior and the interior was palomino with the artwood organic trim and it's just, it's beautiful. I yeah. love, you know, me, I'm a sucker for that, like rich, that kind of like, you know, saddleish like the Palomino is a little bit lighter than saddle, but yeah, those shades of like Brown and tan that are more rich. I really love. So, um, I love the Palomino leather. I actually really like the color combination too. Like as the car was specked really beautifully.
0: So that would it have been an eminent pearl or
1: I think, yeah, yeah. Eminent pearl.
0: Yeah. But, uh, it wasn't all roses though, was it? No.
1: Um, <laughs> Any, you know, anybody who's, if if you've been listening for a while, I sort of, I just have an on again, off again relationship with the LS 500. And, you know, I qualify this by saying like, I owned an LS 430, you've had an LS, like I actually worked at Lexus when the LS 460 and the LS 600 HL launched. So I know a good bit about LSs and the time that I worked in dealerships, I feel like I also know a good bit about LS buyers and owners and what they want. And I've, I've just always had a hard time understanding this generation of LS that Came out in 2018 because it's, you know, it gained some really great things. Like the GAL platform is super stiff and great to drive, and it's much more athletic than any LS before. But on the flip side, like that great kind of fast back shape cuts into headroom. There's not very much headroom even in the front, like in the back. I'm a little over six feet tall and to sit in the back, I kind of have to slouch. And then the twin turbo V6 is just such a departure from anything Lexus has done in an LS before. And I've really struggled with that. I think the first, you know, 2018, 2019 and 2020, I'm just, I've never been a fan of that engine. I've really had a hard time with it. I've driven it a couple different times and the turbo lag and the throttle response I find to be really bad. Both are Mm -hmm. really bad, actually. Yeah. But, you know, we know that for 2021, Lexus specifically mentioned that they made several changes to the transmission tuning for, you know, low speed drivability and smoothness. So I was excited to drive this 2021 LS and see how much better it was. And I got to say, it's definitely better. I think the old car was a little bit jerky at low speed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You know, the the turbo lag, unfortunately, is still there. But the way that they've tuned it, like I I say that if you're kind of driving it like under like four tenths, the car drives really well now. It drives like an LS should. And I think when you think about the LS buyer and what that person's after, just super smooth like you wouldn't know it wasn't a V8 unless you looked at the spec sheet because it's really smooth now and really quiet. Uh, And they also did improve like the NVH quite a bit. Like the engine's not as loud or as raspy. It doesn't sound like a V6 as much anymore. So the like the throttle inputs better. It's smoother at low speeds and it sounds better. But I think really, you know, once you start to ask like more than four tenths of the car, it really doesn't like it very much. And th- like the same thing that I've that I had happen with 18 and 19 LS as I've driven is like, you know, if you're merging or you're pulling out in traffic and you need to get where you're going quickly, that transmission and the turbo lag combination are can be a little bit of a scary scary combo yeah like there's times where you pull out and you like really put your foot down to get out in traffic or merge and the car just like it takes a minute or two to sort of like respond and then you hit this dead zone for turbo lag and then of course like the car you know it spools up and you get going but sometimes you don't have like two or three seconds to like let the car decide what it wants to do in those split second scenarios yeah
0: i i would say that The problems that you're describing with the, with the transmission, I think also carried over with the LS 500 H it's really trying to push a lot of power instead of giving you like a flatter curve. And a lot of that, of course, is because of the, the turbo, I remember, you know, driving it and thinking about it. And I always wondered if Lexus had kind of decided that they were going to like try and one up the CLS Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, kind of competing directly with the S-Class and whenever we talk about it, I always think that because as a CLS competitor, it's fairly interesting. It's a little bit larger, but at the same time, it has that sort of form over function that, that the CLS has.
1: I agree. And sometimes, you know, we talk about, you and I talked about this a fair amount, but sometimes, especially in terms of design, like Lexus design sometimes kind of writes checks that like the performance can't cash. Mm-hmm. And I think the LS is probably a good example of that. Another thing too, this car was the LS500 all wheel drive. So. It weighed over 5,000 pounds. Oh. We know a lot of that is G, the the weight of GAL, which is just a super heavy platform. But, yeah. you know, you take a car that's got that's over 5,000 pounds to begin with and you put two people in it and then you take turbo lag on that engine. And like sometimes it's just it's it's weird. Like there's times where you can really put your foot down and the car is like in the right gear at the right moment. And yeah. you're like, damn, there is almost 420 horsepower in here. Yeah. <laughs> but that, <laughs> but that's like 20 percent of the time the other of the time, it feels like the car needs like another 100 horsepower. And you hit on something too with the transmission tuning. That 10-speed transmission tuning in the LS500 is so incredibly smooth that sometimes it does actually feel like a CVT. Like it's the Mm. shifts are almost imperceptible. Yeah. So... You and I've talked about this where it's like, you know, any other car, even any other previous LS, like when you slam your foot down, you're used to feeling the car drop, you know, two or three gears and you feel the gear changes. The LS is so smooth, you almost don't feel the gear changes. So what that means again is like when you're under kind of like four tenths and you're just driving around, it's so butter smooth and so nice. Yeah. But then when you feel like you want power, there's not really like you don't really get much of a sensation of true power delivery because the transmission is so smooth. Like I've thought a lot about this car because it's so there's so many things I like about it. And, and the powertrain is really the only thing I struggle with. But mm-hmm. again, almost same thing I said with the IS 500 is like, you know, when you live with the car for a week and I really sort of like settled into it and got used to it. But the interior is really beautiful and it's a really unique and sort of daring step for Lexus. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely was when it came out i wasn't so sure how i felt about it you remember how the passenger side had like that plastic effect on the mm-hmm. glass that i said right. looked like the glass that they separate booths at it like chinese <laughs> buffets uh, <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> so they took like they took that off it's like they changed the passenger yeah. side but when you like when you really sit and you look at the inside of the car, my favorite thing about it is just that like Lexus did it their way. Like mm-hmm. you look at the way that, you know, you have the leather on the doors front that like matches the dash that kind of like cascades into the wood trim panel that cascades into the door. You have the floating armrests and the ambient lighting. I, I really applaud Lexus for that. I Like the interior, you know, they could have done something with like your stereotypical like vertical waterfall style dashboard and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Yeah you know, laying it out horizontally with like the lines that trace into the AC vents and things like that. It's really beautiful. And it, it reminds me, honestly, a little bit of some of the Jaguar products that have mm. like that layered look of like wood and leather together. It's yeah. so beautiful. So, you know, you take that and you take like the seats were just incredibly comfortable. The leather is beautiful. The car also had the panoramic roof. And like I said, it had the rear seat luxury package, which my family came over and like my family likes cars, but my mom's always like, whatever. I've never heard my mom actually say I want this car how much does this car cost and <laughs> and when when she was in and out of the LS 500 my mom was like oh yeah i like i want one of these cars this like i want i want one just like this and i want it in this color combination and i was like okay <laughs> all right we'll make it happen yeah. <laughs> so and, and two another thing that they improved on the 2021 was ride quality so it's like as an overall package i came away with a lot more love and respect for the LS 500 than i had before mm-hmm but my hope is just that, you know, the next version or the next generation, like some, some changes to the powertrain are badly needed. And I think the new, you know, quote unquote, iForce Max that just debuted in the Tundra with the twin turbo B 6 plus hybrid is probably the absolute perfect powertrain for yeah, the LS. It'll bring enough uh, power. For sure. Absolutely. And I'm sure it'll be super smooth and that'll be an incredible powertrain for the LS. So,
0: Well, isn't a turbo with hybrid, like that combination seems like like perfect, perfect, right? Like that's power no matter at what point of the cycle you're at. I mean, you're going fast. So that's really appealing because then turbo lag just completely disappears. Exactly. And it's funny, you know, you talk about, you know, your parents coming over and and checking out the LS. One of my favorite memories back when I first started to get press cars, and this was like 2009, I got an LS 600 HL and in Canada, yeah. And in Canada, that car retailed for like $153,000. just Mm -hmm. bonkers, right? And uh, I went and got my grandma. I went and picked my grandma up and put her in the the massaged, uh, you know, the seats in the back. And man, did I ever, that was like one of the best feelings that I had since I started getting those press cars, driving her around in this car. She, She just loved it, right? So. It definitely is an occasion to have an LS and, you know, you can look at it, maybe this LS doesn't continue the traditions of the older ones, but there is an essence there that can be, you know, kind of seen that still brings that sort of otherworldly quality that the LS really starts to have. Yeah,
1: I think so too. And, you know, I haven't written my review on it quite yet, but it's definitely a different type of LS in good ways and bad ways. I'm just not sure exactly who it's for. Yeah. If that makes sense. No. And it's actually. I think the most exciting thing I felt with it was actually excited for the next one. Yeah. I see so much promise in the platform and I actually do see a lot of potential in the powertrain and things like that. So, you know, the LS was 11 years between generations and it was in the midst of the TNGA changeover. And I think logically Lexus probably just got to a point where they had to come out with an LS and it doesn't make the LS a bad car. I just think it means in the future it's going to be better.
0: Well, I think that a lot of the issues, particularly with when the LS first came out, the fifth generation, was that it had been so long since Mm -hmm. the previous one. And the expectations were so high and it was really difficult for Lexus to really win. There there really wasn't a way. When you wait that long, and I mean, we heard about delays and, you know, there was a three-year period there where this model should have been out and Mm -hmm. it wasn't. And it just really, the expectations did not grew and grew yeah and grew. it was yeah. really really hard and i uh i don't know it it's definitely a car to me. It seems like a car without a buyer. I mean, yeah. really. It I mean, it would take it's very if it seems like a very niche vehicle just in the way that that it's been packaged, the back seats and and the powertrain. It's very niche for somebody to like be 100%
1: in love with it. The competition has changed a lot too, right? Like, you know, the s classes now they start at what $118,000. Yeah. So, you know, we had when I was posting pictures and stuff on Instagram, we had a lot of people being like Oh would you pick the S class or the M750 or you know the M750i or would you pick the LS and I'm like well, the LS costs basically half as much as either of those with any options, and yeah, like I'm not I'm not saying that you know one's better than the other. I think everybody who's into cars has respect for the S class, yeah. But like like this LS was a hundred thousand dollar car and pretty much had everything you want to option out an S class with you know massaging seats and you know panoramic roof and some of the other stuff is like you know you're in the one forty to one fifty to one sixty and seventy range. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, it's a different it's so a different vehicle.
1: It is, and yeah. like that's the thing is you know people have always the S class and the LS and the 7 Series have always kind of been grouped together. You know, the 7 Series is, I hate to say it, but like the S7 Series is always kind of a has-been, right? Like the Mm. BMW formula at that size is just never as good. And so then, you know, you've had the LS, which has always kind of been the Japanese S-Class, and now they're very different. And like you said too, there's this other class of vehicles that's sort of like the CLS and the Panamera and the A7 that are like sporty and fun. And I think the LS maybe tried to sort of do both. Yeah. And I think at the same time, it actually ended up in like no man's land.
0: Well, and I mean, that was the issue with the RX for so long, is that it was trying to straddle two different segments. And and same thing with, with the ES. It's definitely a pattern that Lexus uh, uses and to, to try and fit as many segments as they can with as few vehicles as possible.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I, the difference, I guess, for the RX and the ES is they are able to make a much stronger value proposition. Yes. And so I think if you, know, if you were to look at the LS and cars are so expensive now that I think the LS is still not as expensive as some competitors. But if you think about the LS had come as it comes and, you know, maybe been positioned from like 65 or $68,000 and sort of like straddled the line between the LS and the GS since it was leaving, like it yeah. might've been a little bit different, but you know, a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of, a lot of money for a car that sometimes makes you feel like <laughs> it could, you, you could be wrecked in it <laughs> if it doesn't pick up and accelerate the right way. And I, so. I wonder
0: though, like, The previous generation S-Class. No, two generations now, I
1: suppose. W-221, I think. Yeah.
0: So when that car came out, that was a mic drop. That car, once that got out there and people were driving it, it it just seemed really hard for any luxury manufacturer to compete directly with it.
1: Well, I'm going to challenge you on this. Okay, perfect. (laughs) So I remember when that car came out because that was the S-Class that the LS460 competed against. Right. And- For a while there, really, like, a lot of the reviews and things had the LS460 as the choice over the S-Class, and there were a couple reasons for that. The S-Class had, like, a much bigger 5.5 liter V8. The LS had a 4.6 liter V8 and made basically the same horsepower, so it was sort of a more efficient, kind of better packaged engine. That was when the S-Class had those big, beefy fenders that people weren't so sure about, and the interior, they sort of started with that kind of, like, minivan looking hump in the middle of the dash so yeah and so that's for me i think that's the last time that the ls and the s-class were really well matched because you know there were two more generations of s-class really yeah and you know the ls was the same for 11 years and over that time the s-class just sort of took off and went in a completely different direction
0: yeah, and I think you're Lexus right. Lexus
1: didn't do a lot with the LS.
0: We are talking about three generations of S-Class over the course yeah. of one generation of almost one generation of LS. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably more explains. But I do feel like Lexus ceded the entire flagship luxury to mm-hmm. Mercedes. Like they were, as you said, they were the only true competitor against the s-class and it felt like a really big missed opportunity to go ultra luxury just like what mercedes has done
1: yeah i agree with you
0: Uh, but uh there's uh one car that we will not be reviewing right away
1: (laughs) yeah unfortunately it's part of my exciting life drama yeah my company Uh, has managed COVID really, really well. And we've got a whole protocol in place where employees who go to the office, like you check in, you check out so that if there's ever exposure, they let you know ASAP and you're automatically notified. So uh, I think it was two days before I was set to leave for the NX media event in Phoenix. I'd been to the office briefly that Monday before, and I had two meetings with the same person. I found out the next morning, I got an email notification from my office and it said, you know, our records show that you were in the office on this date. And there was also a person in the office on this date who has since tested positive. And considering your working you know, proximity with this person, uh, we believe that your level of exposure is high. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's not uh, an
0: email you want to get.
1: Right. Anyway, I let the Lexus team know. And they basically were like, look, you know, we're, we'd love to have you, but considering that, like, let's just not take the chance. So I actually feel pretty lucky. I haven't, I haven't gotten sick and I'm fully vaccinated, which I'm sure helps, but you know, I think just better to be safe than sorry. So I ended up not going on the NX media drive.
0: Yeah. So we will have to wait for the next round of uh, NX media drives before we'll get a chance to kind of get behind the wheel of that. That's really not going to prevent us from covering the car. Right. We'll have somebody on that did drive it and we'll talk to them about the experience. Also, we'll have full coverage. We'll have uh, photos and, and all that. But that is not one thing we will be posting is a first drive.
1: You know, I'm sorry that uh, my my potential COVID exposure and everything else led us to not being able to drive the NX. But uh, Lexus did say they were like, "We'll try to get you one to drive ASAP." So, yeah, that's hopefully awesome. we have that to share with you. You know, as soon as we can. And then, like I said, we're gonna also have a deeper dive on the IS 500 coming up for you too. So we have some good stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned. Thanks yep. for tuning in today. Yep. Thank you, everybody. All right. We'll talk yep. to you next time.